Hi, Sashrikal. Welcome to Core Voices. This is going to be our weekly space to talk about anything you want. And I want it to be an open and a free space. Uh, welcome to everybody who's joining us right now. Um, it's an honor to be here on this platform with SickNet and to have a voice not just for women, but for all people. And that's what we want this space to be for, to be able to talk openly about things that might bother us, that we might find difficult to talk about. And uh, we've all been there with one thing or the other. So this will be our weekly space going forward so we can actually talk about things, take away all the cobwebs and all of the taboos. And yes, this is your space. This is your voice. And we want you to have the choice about what we talk about as well. So if you do have questions, you can put them in the comments for today and we'll try to ad address them with our wonderful guests that I'll be welcoming in just a few minutes. And um, if not, you can drop us an email over to callvoices at gmail.com. And uh, we will get back to you with your questions and then we'll answer them live next week. So please do stay in touch with us. Know that this is your space. And without further ado, I would like to welcome to Core Voices show today, Gurchan and Gaur. She is a dear sister, a wonderful friend of mine, an amazing artist, graphic designer, a musician who plays more than one instrument, the flute and the dilruba, and she's also the co-founder the co of Core Voices. So this space exists because of her as well. So let's join and welcome Gurjan and Gaur. Why Guruji Ka Khalsa? Why Guruji Ki Fateh? Thank you for the wonderful introduction. <laughs> I am very happy to be here with everybody. Thank you for the invitation of the first show. And uh, yes, like I am excited to share my journey with you all and whatever you want to ask me or ask just me, I'll be really happy and try my best to answer your questions. Wonderful. Thank you, Guchan, and thank you for being here today with us. Um, I want to welcome everybody who's commenting. I'm going to look out for your questions that pop up, so we'll try to address them uh, maybe later on in the show, but please do send us your, your questions as well. Um, how are you doing in quarantine? We live in this new world right now, and I think that that's the most fitting question to start with. Yeah. Is, um, how are you doing? Yeah, definitely. It's a very interesting times. Uh, definitely, we most of us have the privilege to have a nice house and shelter and uh, a nice company during these times. I know some people don't have the same luck, but uh, by Guru's grace, I am good. I My family is taking care of me and I'm taking care of them. Uh, I'm doing my best to keep myself busy, working, doing projects and practicing. So, and of course, keeping um, myself at home and safe, following all the guidelines from the authorities and just collaborating in general with everybody to stay safe and together. Good. Yeah. What about you? I'm doing good as well. And I think it's, it's difficult for everybody, right? Everyone's in different circumstances. Some are in positive spaces and other are, others are in more difficult spaces. And mm -hmm. if any of our viewers out there are, are in one of those more difficult spaces, you know, 
if there's something that you want us to talk about or even if you want to throw something that you want to share something please do that know that this is that collective space for all of us um i'm actually pretty grateful to be home like you said and to be with family to be in a safe space and um as you know my lifestyle for the last 10 years has been pretty insane with traveling um traveling almost 10 to 11 months of a year so this is a huge blessing to be in one place and to be at home so i'm i'm super grateful at the moment but um how are you finding it career wise are um, you able to manage like your your normal routine and your like your studying or your job yeah so i recently finished my studies and definitely it was challenging to receive classes in a different environment at least i think it required even more attention that i usually have during my regular classes on campus so definitely it was a different experience um i finished my school already so i took i took like one or two days to rest um totally don't do anything and then i start scheduling again my work life and trying to keep the routine i think that's what's important <laughs> because it's very easy just to go on the side like it's okay i'm not going to do this later but you find yourself not sleeping properly not working out or not following um your food schedule for example and that things can affect a lot in the future so i think the best thing to do is keep a routine whatever the routine is and yeah try to get into that so you won't lose your mind during quarantine <laughs> absolutely so is that, is that the tip that you'd give people yeah kind of I, i am doing it uh, actually yeah <laughs> I, i'm trying my best to woke up at the same time follow my morning practices and then go and and do my work uh take time to also rest and eat and go for a walk and do all that but totally routine is what kept us in a sense of stability so in these very hard times when we don't have anything to grab on i think uh routine will be the best option <laughs> I actually agree with you routine is really important. So anybody out there who's struggling routine that's what you want to reach for is just make yourself some sort of a schedule something to do regularly even if it's just the time that you eat your meals in a day right yeah. right it, it doesn't have to be very complicated just uh maybe your only your time schedule or your food schedule or even a few hours to learn something and then the rest of the day you're fine just keep it doing it all the time Awesome. So I'm going to jump right in with the questions. Okay. So to look at you, you look like you're Punjabi, okay? And that's what a lot of people would assume, and I'm sure that you get mistaken for Punjabi where the <laughs> yes. and it's just like talking to you in Punjabi and you're like, "Andy, I don't know, I don't yeah. know." <laughs> <laughs> It has happened a lot of times. <laughs> so you're actually from Venezuela. Mm. And yeah. I think that you have a lot of fascinating components about you because I've known you for so long and I know how wonderful you are. I think your journey is very special and um can you help everybody to understand how it is in Venezuela that you became connected with Sikhi. So you you live in a country where there's no Punjabi or Sikh culture um but you you've adopted it in such a beautiful way. Yeah. So um everything is guru's blessing for me 
and I kind of understood that when I found this path or this path found me with having literally no the star wearing person in the country, just one person. And this one person studied in my same university and lived just a few minutes away from my house. So <laughs> it was very, for me, it was very meant to be. Uh, so yeah, I grew up in Venezuela. Uh, Venezuela is a country in South America and there is very, very few populations of Sikhs. And they, if they, when I was there, I didn't see any. Um, mm -hmm. So they were like very, very few and they were not visibly Sikhs. Um, they, I think only one person I met later in Miami who told me who was living in Venezuela was wearing at the, at the start. Uh, besides that, there is no presence of Sikhs at all. Um, so there, there's one girl who was with me in the university and she was wearing a turban. I thought she was a Muslim, actually. And uh, because we are exposed to other religions, but Sikh is not one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and I asked her, um, like, why does she wear a headscarf? And she told me, oh, I'm a, I'm a yoga teacher, but I'm also Sikh. If you, if you want to come to one of my classes one day, you're welcome. And I'm like, okay. I was looking my spiritual path back then. And that was a um, few years ago already. <laughs> and uh, when I went to her class, uh, the first thing that they were teaching were the Mulmantar. And I was very touched by it because they were explaining to it in Spanish, not only in Gurmukhi. So I could understand what they were talking about. And I felt really moved mostly because I had kind of like a process before of meditating, finding my path, finding my spiritual, where my spirit belongs to. And I remember telling her, even before the class, I, I don't do mantras because that's not like how I meditate. I was, you know, very prepotent. I don't know how to say, like very like, this is what I do. I don't wanna do whatever you do, uh -huh. but, but, this, and this is how beautiful Guru is. Once I entered to that class and I sat down and listened the Mul Mantar and they did a meditation, like singing the Mul Mantar. I didn't sing because I was like very close to it. Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the class, I couldn't stop repeating it on my head. Wow. And at the end of the class, I was asking her who wrote it. And she say, oh, Guru Nanak wrote it. And I'm like, who's good at Anak? Like your God or something? I have totally no idea what Siki was. So she little by little explained to me, oh, well, good Anak is the guru of the Sikhs. And I'm like, okay, but what are the Sikhs? Um, and then so on, my curiosity kept growing. And Bani kept in my head. Like I kept singing over and on, over again. So next week when I went again to the class because I wanted to learn more, I told her, look, I composed a song with the <laughs> with the Mul Mantar. So I went from, I'm not gonna do this, to like, I actually made something with it. Here's the composition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I came with my, uh, with my lyrics and uh, with the melody, and it's like, I really, I cannot stop singing it. Like, where does this come from? And mm -hmm. then she started telling me, well, this is the first, thing you will read or the first prayer you will read in Siddhi Guru Granth Sahib. I'm like, okay, that now, that what's, what's that now? And right. she's like, well, that's, that's um, you can say that's the Guru nowadays. I'm like, okay. And she said, well, it's in a shape of a book. And I'm like, I'm, at this point, I'm just like, all right. So how does this work? 
Yeah, so she said like, it's okay, you know, um, start maybe just feeling like, what, what are you feeling? You want to know more, I understand, but like feel the words, like what do you feel with them? And I used to say like, I just felt a lot of correspondence of what is being said. Um, the fact that the Moon Mantra talks about unity and about you know, fear and no hate and about truth, mm-hmm. that, that made me realize that, or not realize, that I felt that for me that was truth. So I wanted to know more. Therefore, I start my own investigation because I am curious. I am very curious. I've always been like that. And I, I didn't want to wait till next class for her to tell me. I just started looking at myself uh, for myself. And I went to, I remember the first thing I saw was Siki Wiki. And there is a lot of information there. I was like, okay. I have the advantage that I speak English, um, so I could have access to many resources. Uh, when I tried to find resources in Spanish, there were not so many. So I just kept reading in English. Um, so the next class, she gave me the Japji side. And um, when she gave me the Japji side, I didn't even know like that was, uh, what was it? or if it was sacred or not, like I, I have no idea. She just told me this is like the first prayer, six two in the morning, mm-hmm. and uh, just read it. She didn't tell me you need to do this, you need to do that in order to read it. You know, she just told me read it, read it whenever you feel that you can. Uh, whenever you have a peaceful time with yourself, you're alone, you can pay attention and just go ahead. Like mm-hmm. she didn't tell me anything else, so. I went home and find my space. I remember I looked for it on YouTube because I want to listen how it sounds originally. And I have the copy on my head. And the copy was in Gurmukhi and Spanish, uh, or Gurmukhi transliteration and Spanish. And I remember that was the moment I said, I'm a Sikh. I don't know what is this. I don't know who these people are. I don't know where it is from. I am just a Sikh. I want to follow this. This is my path. Wow. I read and listened Jabji Zahib that day, I think like 20 times. I don't remember. But the first time I read it, and I was reading it in Spanish, mind you. I don't have idea what is the other language or whatever. I was just reading that translation in Spanish and just like struck my heart Mm -hmm. in, in a way that I couldn't even forget. And I remember the body that just like pierced me was the Mundas and Toksarampajuli. The body that talks about humanity as a brotherhood or sisterhood. And for me, that was the most beautiful thing. Of course, Jabji Zahayu have so many knowledge and so much love that it's there to, for us to unfold. But at that precise moment, that was the body or like the thing that made me say, I'm part of the sisterhood or the brotherhood of this. I want to know this, I want to learn. And since that day, every day I will go on YouTube or whatever and just like start reading, 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 who were the gurus. I remember my teacher in Sikhi was by Jagarasinji. Singhji. Oh my God, like without him, I wouldn't be there. <laughs> like honestly, every person, yeah, basis of Sikhi. So every person he had, mm-hmm. he has a video for it. And 
I'm, and again, I'm telling you this is because I know English. I couldn't like I could have access to it. Otherwise, impossible. So, so um, yeah. So that that was pretty much like how it started unfolding. And uh, of, I'm a musical person, so I wanted to sing the Shabbats. I, I came to know through my investigation that Sikhi is actually a musical tradition and a poetry tradition. And I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. This is like what I need to be. Um, so uh, so yeah, that, that's how my journey started. And everything was very linked to Gurbani and Kirtan. Kirtan in my own way at that time, I didn't know better. Um, <laughs> but like making my own compositions, my cousin joined me, my friend who also was a Sikh, like the one who introduced me to everything joined me too. She was a musician. We started making our own compositions and mantras. And that I was in heaven. I am in heaven. <laughs> but, like, um, what I'm saying is like I found I found it everything that clicks so perfectly on on my personality, like the way I see things. Um, it, it was never uncomfortable. Anything, everything was just like okay. So the guru say this about a woman. The guru say this about dieting. The guru say this about music. The guru say this about living. Okay, like everything mm -hmm. I say, like yes, 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 no problem. This is very correct for. I mean, at least for me. So, um, so my my curiosity went like up and beyond. I literally spent three, four hours a day reading about anything, the gurus, history, where things come from, and I found, and I found, and again because I'm a musical inclined person, I wanted to know about more about the musical tradition of the Sikhs. Being studying music for fifteen years, I. So like three, four years of music history, I when I saw the way they were doing kirtan, which is beautiful, by the way, um, and I was I found really beautiful that all the teachings were taught musically. Um, I saw the instruments, and of course, the first contact I had was uh, the vaja, or so people doing kirtan in vaja. Mm -hmm. But I knew because I studied music uh, that I was not a traditional Indian instrument, and I was curious, like okay, so they're doing kirtan in these mm -hmm. instruments, but what is it now? Because that's my thing. I study history and music history for so long that I wanted to know where this, where things come from. That's that's my thing. I don't, I don't want to know. That's yeah. an interesting question because there's a lot of uh, Punjabis and Sikhs in the world mm. who have probably never asked that question. Yeah. We never had access to the answer. Yeah. So to come in, um, already knowing that, I think that's amazing because yeah. when I was growing up, right? Mm. I only knew the harmonium. Mm. So I thought that that's what the gurus played, right? Mm. And there's still a lot of youth who think that way too because mm. we don't have access to all of the resources. Yeah. So, um, tell yeah. us about how, what, how you found out that the harmonium wasn't a Sikh instrument. Well, again, uh, when I was in my second year of music, uh, my music school we mm -hmm. have classes on music history and it's of course based on western music history and uh, the harmonium is actually an instrument that comes from the middle ages and it was meant to be played in church uh, in that time and it, yeah it's an instrument that comes from europe basically and yeah. because i saw it i was like okay that's weird that's not an indian instrument or instrument that belongs to the south uh, asian continent Right. or area, sorry, um, I'm curious to know where it comes from. 
like what is the original version of it right uh, because this is a version that it came like few uh, years from. ago like mm -hmm. of years ago but Sikh tradition is later it means that something introduced it like what are the original instruments okay yeah. so, so i can add that little section in for you if you want that yeah. it was in the 1840s mm. alexander deban in mm -hmm. europe mm -hmm. actually read the harmonium that we use now with the yeah. hand uh, pump yeah yeah with the hand pump a modification from the organ yeah. Um, yeah. and it was very popularly used mm -hmm. by missionaries uh, mm -hmm. wherever they were placed christian missionaries um, in order for them to spread the word of you know their god their creator mm -hmm. um, and that was how it became popular. Yep. It's, yep. it's interesting now that we are in a place where the entire face of Sikh Gitan is dominated by the harmonium. Yeah. And I think, as again, it's because I, I'm curious. I wanted to know, because if, if, for example, and this is my approach, if I want to follow something, if I want to do something, I go and research on it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't just go and do it. And right that's, away. Do it. that's exactly what we should be doing when yeah. you're introduced with new information. Yeah. Go check it out. Make sure that it adds yeah. up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because Guru gave us intellect. Guru gave us, Guru gave us the, the capacity of not question, but like be curious. Like right. go beyond. Go beyond. That's, mm -hmm. that's why we're learners. We need to go beyond. Yes. So in my quest of looking the origins of Siki, because again, I was introducing Siki in the West by a person who is also coming into Siki mm -hmm. and in an environment that was more related to yoga and more related to like a different community, which is okay. I wanted to know, okay, this is what you, information you can provide, but where does it come from? Mm -hmm. What is the story? what is the origin and the, therefore that's why i start investigating from sources like sick um base of siki siki wiki mm -hmm. i find books like whatever i find in right. one of those in one of those research i found um that we actually had instruments that were created by the gurus and i was like i'm a musician again i'm just fascinated by it i'm just i need to know what are those instruments I just need to understand how, why are we not playing those instruments? Right. And, uh, what instruments are they? Yeah. So um, I, I um, keep researching and then my friend sent me a video on YouTube. She said like, oh, you know, there are people actually learning these instruments. And I was like, for real? And then she sent me a video of uh, Raj Academy and professors sitting there and the instruments. And I was like, wow there is a natural institution teaching these like i'm excited now i want to do it but i was in venezuela like i have no idea these people are in in london like how i'm gonna study this from venezuela and i can't i don't have the money or like time to go to london and learn this but i think it's okay one day that's that's fine i i just know they exist so then it then i became curious about guru sahib like, well, I was always curious about Guru Sahib, but like the way it was written. What is that language? Can I interrupt you for a second? You yes. said that you discovered these instruments that were made by the Gurus, right? Mm -hmm. So can you tell us like, what are the names or which Guru oh, made the instruments? Uh, well, correct me when I, if I made a mistake and I always make mistakes. 
Um, but I, the first instrument that I listened was the Dirlupa, which was made by Guru Gobind Singh Sahibji. And uh, then I listened the entire data that time. And I selected the many types of these instruments. And I went to the website. And then you have the information on the website. <laughs> and I read, I read that there is the Saranda, the Sarangi, the Rabab, the Dirluba, and the Taos, and Jori. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it, apparently, I didn't know why back then, but um, the gurus, not apparently the gurus, made those instruments especially to deliver the message they were trying to say to everybody. And, right. um, and because I had this knowledge from Western school, I was mm -hmm. trying to compare the both of them, like why, why the gurus decided to teach like to teach people in singing or in drag in this case. Mm -hmm. And I was comparing it with how the Greek people back then used to deliver messages also in certain scales to deliver certain emotions. And I'm like, okay, so this is an actual technology that has like that. Okay, so the Greeks are like here, but like all drag technology and everything is like way be before. Mm -hmm. So like everything is connected and for me that, Again, like for me, that was fascinating to explore the idea that the gurus made all this so perfectly. Because when I learn more about what drag means, mm -hmm. um, doing studying kirtan, because now I'm studying kirtan, yeah, uh, <laughs> by good grace, because I wanted to do it so badly <laughs> that I I really did ask for it. Like I really wanted to do it. And the opportunity came and I just say like, you know what? I don't know anything, but I'm gonna do it. I don't speak the language. I don't even, I cannot even read Gurmukhi, but I'm gonna still gonna do it. I'm gonna find my way. <laughs> and, and drag, drag is emotion. And drag is a way to compel people to feel what you're saying, which is very similar to rhetoric using by the Greeks back then, not comparing the two of them, but just I needed to have like a point of comparison or a point of, mm -hmm how to understand it mm -hmm. and that's genius that for me was like they, don't, they didn't only create a, a text that talks about truth mm -hmm. that, that uh, uh, Gurbani is our guru basically it's not mm -hmm. only the text they also did a poetic metric for it the way mm -hmm. to pronounce it way to say it and on top of that they put feelings on it through music the rags are there yeah and those feelings are delivered with these instruments that was specially made for this mm. so yeah. for me that was like the reason number 3050 why i should be a sikh <laughs> and uh um and i wanted to dig more into it so i did and i'm i'm studying i'm studying this right now and uh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm slow because I, again, I need to understand so many things, but it's Guru's Kirpa who's keeping me this curious, this right. wanting to understand and learn because it's so precious. Absolutely. Everything that they gave us is so precious. And that's important is to mm. constantly be, be connected. And as long as you know why this path yeah. is for you, it's yeah. not this is for everybody right but you have to find your own path and yeah. your own truth yeah. when you're sitting in that space everything just feels right you know yeah. it doesn't feel forced 
um, yeah. and things just start to make sense. Yeah. And I think some of the things that you said are really important. I agree yeah. that for me, Sikhi is not just about absorbing information. Yeah. It is about questioning and learning and consciously seeking. So actively getting out there to learn, yeah. not wanting to just follow the trends that may already exist. Yeah. Um, because some of the systems that we're born into, mm. there are flaws, there are weaknesses, and those things can only be improved if we're looking at how we can contribute to those spaces and what we can do to make yeah. them better, right? So yeah. we just talked about Kirtan, right? I'm born into a Punjabi family, and growing up, I only ever saw the harmonium. I didn't know anything different, and my world almost shattered when I discovered the truth, the truth being that the harmonium is not an instrument that even existed at the time of the gurus, let alone something that they played. And then yeah. when I discovered that, same as you, but in a different way, that mm. there were instruments that were created, especially for Sikhs to develop and to learn and evolve their emotional connection. Mm. I, was, I was just gobsmacked that this, mm. this could be real. Like you said, there was so much that the gurus contributed, right? from scripture to emotions to making instruments to giving us strategies of life and wisdom and everything, right? Yeah. Um, that they went out of their way to have these instruments especially created for this. And, you know, those of you that know my background, um, I play rabab and I also do kirtan as well. Um, so this is an important part of my journey. Um, mm. and, and I can see that it's the same for you as well. Mm. Um, there's like so many things I want to ask you. I know. <laughs> on behalf of everybody out there. Yeah. Um, so what I was, as you said, like I feel every individual has their own path. Mm -hmm. And every individual has to find that path. And even within Sikhi, each individual has their own pace and their own ways to connect and their own, um, how can I say, understanding of things. But ultimately, the whole guide is in front of us. Right. The whole information is right there, mm -hmm. right there. And um, the whole point of the guru leaving us the guru is to us to read and move forward and practice mm -hmm. and move forward because right. everything is laid down for us. And as Guru say, this is not an easy path. This is a very hard path. But they gave us a path. Right. And, um, and no. I, I, think, I think making the effort to like actually understand where things come from, mm -hmm. how things like were lay, laid out by in the times of the Gurus and how things are right now, how can we make that bridge in between mm -hmm. that? and apply it in our daily lives like i think that's that's important and and this is the thing also as i converted um i don't i don't have knowledge of certain uh how can i say these um patterns made by culture okay that you might have as a punjabi mm -hmm. so um i think there are things that i am i am not even aware between like the Punjabi culture and Venezuelan culture, I'm sure there's like a massive amount of differences. Oh, of course there is. Like, <laughs> like my parents were freaked out at the beginning. That's how big difference there is. So uh, I come in from a culture that um, 
you know, for, uh, let me give you an example, femininity. Right. I'm coming from a culture of when femininity means you have to be this tall, you have to be this skinny, you have to be have this size of cup from your bra, you have to wear this, wear that, show this, show that, like always flawless, never like on pretty, <laughs> that's not a word, <laughs> never, never like undone, you can say. Right. Mm. And uh, in Sikhi, beauty is like such a different concept. And in Punjabi, beauty is such a different concept too. Yes. So, so. I'm glad you made that distinction between yeah. the Punjabi and the Sikh perspective. Yeah. Because I think they can often get confused. Yeah. This is something that took me time also to understand. Because, mm -hmm. um, again, with the same example of femininity, one thing that in Venezuela women do uh, is that when they have a baby girl, literally two, three weeks after, they pierce their ears to put their earrings. Okay. When, they're, when we're babies. So just to distinguish between girls and boys. Mm -hmm. Right? If you don't have earrings, you're a boy. If you have earrings, you're a girl. So, so boys can't wear earrings. Uh, they can, but when they're babies, that's a distinction of okay. who is who, right? Okay, okay. That, that's how it is there. Like, I don't know if everybody does it right now, but like, at least in my family was like that. So I grew up with this. I grew up thinking earrings means being a woman. Earrings mean femininity. Wow. But then I start practicing Sikhi. I start learning about things. I start tying the stud, but I didn't want to leave my earrings because when I tie the stud and I don't have my earrings, I look like a boy. That was my thought. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> it took me a year to understand that earrings doesn't mean I am a girl. I'm a girl because I'm a girl. I'm a woman because I'm a woman, not because of right. my earrings or if I wear makeup or if I have a double D cup in my bra. Right. Like, it doesn't have anything to do with that. Absolutely. So Siki showed me and liberate me from a cultural concept I had before, thinking if I show skin, like if I have a, it, in my country, I don't know if you haven't seen Venezuelan women, but like, you know, it's very encouraged to show your attributes. That's okay. Mm -hmm. That's how they are there. Right. And it's rare to find a girl who wears modestly. Mm. As a matter of fact, when I start wearing more modest clothing, my family is like, are you a nun now? <laughs> you know, when, when in Punjabi culture, it's like, cover yourself up, you cannot show yeah. too much. Like, it's like the total opposite. Uh-huh. Guru. So tells, funny. It's very funny. Guru is so awesome. Guru mm -hmm. is so amazing. He's talking dress, to not distract your mind from God. Right. Dress to not distract others from meditating from God. And it's not about even shaming or like showing or not showing. It's just like, why are you taking so much importance into this instead of meditating on the one? And my no. mind was blown. You know, it means I can, I sh it's okay if I don't wear earrings. Why I'm so obsessed with the idea of earrings? Mm -hmm. Why I cannot I cannot just like give up on that and that's okay. And I still I wear like yearly and stuff. Like sometimes it's like I'm still processing many things. But but there are there are like so many things that Guru has taught me and liberate me from. 
like the the concept of bana is beautiful. Right. It's only beautiful. So um, yeah. How do you deal with that difference then? So from coming from a culture where exposing your body is seen as beautiful, right? Mm. And now adopting a completely opposite way to, like you said, dress modestly. I think that's the best word. Um, that how, how have you managed that, that change, that transition? It, all the transitions I have done in my life since before Siki, during my process of changing and after, come from a space of if I, I find things logical, mm -hmm. I think, if I, if I feel comfortable and I love the idea of, mm -hmm. and understanding why. I think the why is also very important. Why historically, why culturally, why, why myself, I, yeah. I do things. So why so, is your, the star important to you? So the, the star started um, as a practice for my yoga classes. It didn't start as an actual uh, symbolism or thing. Mm -hmm. And I started wearing for my classes. Then I, again, I started researching on why six were the star. Why is this important? And I came up with many answers, like uh, from from the yoga classes. They tell like, well, it's to adjust the the bones, it to do this, it to do that. Okay. Then I learned about history. Sikhs have been wearing turbans because um, back then, in the times of the gurus, only kings and queens, or kings only could wear turban. But guru mm -hmm. elevated us to that state. So it was like a social statement uh, a revolutionary statement like we're all equal there should not be difference mm -hmm. okay and then i uh i also read about how wearing the star is a representation of your guru if you wear the star you are declaring yourself you are part of the sikh community part of the khalsa part of the family of guru gobins inside g therefore right. this is basically not my the star is guru sahib's the star Mm -hmm. So it makes you accountable and makes you more aware with how are you doing things in life because you are there putting a face into a whole community. Right. The like, it, like it or not, this is what happened when you were a turban. So mm -hmm. you are representing people. Same, as, you? same as when hijabis wear hijab, when the... Uh, Jews were the kippah. So you recognize them. You recognize that they belong to this or that religion. Because <laughs> when you go out there, is that what you feel that you're representing the whole of the Khalsa month? It's, so it's that's a big responsibility. It's a big responsibility, but actually, we gave, we were given this the start to represent, uh, to be recognizable, and to be physically like spot on right away so we're not meant to hide we're meant to show we're meant to be there be there for others so okay. that that's then, again that's what, that's what i that's what i learned feel when you see other people misrepresent that same imagery mm. so maybe people with turbans who don't have the same connection that you do how does that make you feel this is very tricky because like there is a lot of internal processes inside like 
Um, I cannot, I'm a human and I'm a learner. I am very imperfect in so many ways. Um, and one of my imperfections is that I get upset. I don't like it. Right. <laughs> and I find myself judging and I try to correct myself. I'm like, okay, you know what? Like, not everybody thinks like I think. Not everybody sees things the way I see it. So um, what sort of things cause you to feel upset? Uh, for example, I can say, and again, this is something that maybe I have not been exposed because I don't come from Punjabi culture. So mm -hmm. I see things, I see things more like, uh, like everything is new. So whatever I read is like what it is. I don't have any excuse for nothing. So if I see a person wearing turban, but having trim beard, I'm like, why are you doing that? Or if I see a person wearing a star but drinking alcohol, when clearly you're gonna say this is not allowed, why are you doing that? So um, then I came to the to I came to the conclusion that yeah, everybody has their own pace. Everybody are doing their thing, but why? Why are you wearing a turban and representing something and like saying you are this, but not practicing it? Or doing at least the effort to do it because I understand when we made mistakes and like sometimes you do see things that you are not aware and that happened to me a lot because I don't come from, again, from the culture. But when you knew it, when you, you are aware of like, this is the rule or this is the why, and you still go ahead and do the opposite. Right. So I think that's, that's when I get upset. Um, no, you're not the only one. I mean, you know, I'm not in there with you because yeah, things that just don't make sense for me. One of the things that I don't understand. I'm not sitting here with all the answers, by the way, for everybody who's who's joining us. We're <laughs> out together, and um, one of the things that really gets me is how there's a different standard um, within the Sikh or the Punjabi community, and I have to say them separately because they are separate. But when we see people we kind of intertwine them and we don't distinguish that okay this is Sikhi and this is Punjabi culture mm -hmm. right um is that men and women who wear turbans are held to a different standard of accountability mm -hmm. so all of a sudden if a woman is to start wearing uh, the star she gets called things like a nun I got called that by my own family my relatives um <laughs> She thinks she's like Mother Mary right now. I was like, what? Mm. So it's funny that you would say that too, that even though we came from two different families, we had a similar response to deal with from mm. people around us, like when mm. we first took a step towards our spirituality. Yeah. And then from the wider community, there's this massive expectation that now, from this moment forward, you can never make a mistake again. Yeah. You yeah. can never wear this you can never be seen in these places or talk to people like this mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then on the other hand you've got Punjabi men as you said and I'm not hating I'm just pointing out like how this is such an imbalance that they wear turbans but they'll trim their beard so that's acceptable but for a female who's practicing who wants to know what it feels like to wear the star who may not wear it all the time it's not acceptable for her to to try it um and it's not acceptable for her to keep that as part of her her red and become sajdari so that she can get to the point of actually taking umrah because during that process we expect no mistakes we expect only yeah. perfection right yeah. so i think we're forgetting the main part like learn 
learners. Absolutely. And um, and yeah, definitely I agree with you that when a woman wears a star, like the polysine is like incredible. Nice. Way more than any man coming yeah. from Punjabi culture or not get. Yeah. So I find that also problematic and very stressful for women. Um, for women who want, for women, yeah, from women who wants to practice this in their in the, in the way that they are approaching Siki, like, and again, I didn't have this reaction because I start time at the start in Venezuela. Who's gonna tell me what to do or not to do? There is nobody there to tell me I should do this or not. Still, mm-hmm. um, still, like, I got reactions from my family. I I remember the first day I I time at the start in front of people. This lady came and say, "How are you gonna find a husband now? You're so pretty, and now you're covering yourself up." And I'm like. It's I have the same questions. It's like, I who's going to marry you now? Yeah. Like, on your hair. <laughs> yeah, like, if a person is going to marry me by my hair and not by who I am, right? why yeah. this is a thing? What's so, the funniest, oh, funniest question that you've ever been asked about your yourself? You know, in my country, there is another religion called Santeria, which comes from um, African tradition, and they usually wear white turbans, and I used to wear white turbans a lot. And they thought I am Santera. And I told them, well, I'm not Santera. I am a Sikh or a person who wants to be a Sikh. So I have gotten funny questions about that, like, you know, to which order you belong to and this and that. I have gotten questions like, do you have cancer? And I'm like, God bless me. No, I don't have cancer. <laughs> and, uh, That's or, yeah, in my country, they literally they don't know, and they will come and ask me not in a way of being mean or being racist or nothing. It's just like literally just curiosity, yeah. and mostly have got compliments like, "Oh, that looks so pretty on you." I think if I do that, I will never look this pretty. And I'm like, "No, it's okay. You will actually look pretty to that." <laughs> so, um, mostly I've gotten compliments or questions about my health or which religions yeah. I practice. <laughs> people have told me even I look like from person from Ethiopia because they, apparently they wear similar turbans than us. So it has been a whole experience. I even did one day in my place of work when I was in Venezuela on a turban day because like they were dying to Taiwan. And I'm like, you know what? Let's make a turban day. I will explain you what the turban is. That's lovely. <laughs> so yeah, um, they try it. And, and yeah, so you were asking me if I feel responsible for the entire Kalsapans. <laughs> Please say no, because you and should. And like, I don't, and I don't, listen, and I don't feel responsible for everybody because I'm not mother of everybody, but I do feel responsible for what Guru has given to me. Right. As an Amritdari woman by Guru's grace, mm-hmm. I understand that this is something that I should really appreciate. Mm-hmm. And for my own sake, my own spiritual sake, I don't want to go away from it. Right. Therefore, I I do my best to understand what a, having the Sikh Sadhup is. Right. Again, I'm not doing this for the entire people. I'm not doing this for the Kaltapant. Okay. I'm doing this because Guru has given me this blessing and mm-hmm. I want to move forward with it. Right. In that process, as a secondary thing that is happening, I don't know how to say it, as like a thing that is here, it's like people see me as like, I represent Sikhs. I do not represent Sikhs, but I do represent my guru. Right. I, I think that's a beautiful answer. Like yeah. a 
beautiful answer that it's it's impossible for us to carry the weight of the whole month because you can yeah. never meet everybody's expectations and mm. i think Siki's evolved mm. over the years mm. every single individual has a different expectation and mm. it's it's impossible to meet people's expectations but it's important to meet our own and to honor that relationship and that commitment with our guru mm. so i think that that's that's beautiful i mean mm. Yes, absolutely. So, we're getting to the end of the show. The time has just flown by. So, I can't believe it. I feel like it passes 15 minutes. <laughs> so, okay, I've got a couple more questions, okay? Mm. Um, yeah. one is about these beautiful things. I have been asked many times like, what is that beautiful jewelry that you wear in your dasard? And um my dasard for me is my crown and mm. it connects me with the royalty and the equality that the gurus gave to us so every single day when i tie my dastar i remember that in each of the layers in each of my lard that i tie there's a responsibility that mm. i hold myself accountable to mm. in commitment with guru that if if i'm needed if i'm called upon today i'm ready to serve i'm ready to act mm. and um i carry that responsibility with pride mm. so i wear these beautiful adornments into my dastar which are made by my beautiful sister gurujanan so <laughs> why do you make them and what inspired you to create them so um do you remember right now when i talk about the earrings being yeah. part of my concept of community for a long time uh -huh. um i had so many earrings home and i start tying the star and at some point uh, i decide not to wear more earrings i decide to i'm going to i'm going to try this i'm going to try to feel feminine without it mm. what is it like what do i do with all my earrings though like <laughs> i have like a little connection with them and i i collect them so i was thinking i'm i i'm going to make them jewelry for my from my turban i'm going to transform them to put it like here or something and maybe that will like i will feel like i'm wearing earrings but i'm not i'm just like adorning my dastar so i actually these are my first earrings like my first earrings that i transform into a tag or oh. adornment and um that's how i started making it and later i discovered that this was a thing yeah back, back, in, the in, the, back in the day when the gurus were um here uh in their physical form and the actual the warriors in hands were this sort of adornment with the like a border the teeth of the yeah the, uh, porks i don't know how to say that white white pork what boards oh yeah 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 so they put it in their turbans and with the tingly things on on underneath <laughs> i have one which is fake by the way and <laughs> and i was like oh this is so cool like this actually it was an actual ornament from the, the stars of the warriors back then and i just decided to start making more and oh, then I, i started wearing one and then some other singini and came and like oh that's so pretty can you make one for me and it was one of them and i'm like sure i can make more so that's that's how i started making these and it was a nice connection that i i wanted to time at the star because i wanted to adorn it and i wanted to like feel proud of it so yeah that's how i started okay and one last question i guess actually they, they say we can they say we can take more time i just read oh, a comment oh yeah. awesome thank, thank you so i know that, but thank you whoever said that to us um yes, yes. 
I want to talk about core voices mm. um, because that's that's the name of the show. Yeah. And it's a space that you helped to create. And um, what what was it that made you feel there was a need for mm. a space? So Siki is one of the things that made me follow Siki was the where women are in like position in Siki. So women are elevated as the same status as a man, which from my previous research and previous experience with other religions and practices, that's not the case. So when I read Ban Jamie from Guru Nanak Dev Ji, if I'm not mistaken, um, and talk about how he described women and their relation with men, but like actually what it means, mm -hmm. I was very like, uh, emotional about it like wow like he's talking about women being as honorable as men in this world which we know is mostly a world ruled by men and for mm -hmm. the benefit of men so passing my years in Siki and with different communities I noticed that there was none that sometimes it's not applied and when I say sometimes I can say maybe a lot of times these equalities can be like really blurry. It's not there. So another thing that I uh, notice is that when a woman suffers something, suffer from you can you can say abuse or etc. Mm -hmm. um, they are silenced. They are not encouraged to talk. They are not encouraged to say. Uh, they are not encouraged to denounce because there is a concept, a cultural concept of honor that was totally taken away when the gurus talk about women. Honor is carried by everybody. Mm -hmm. Men carry honor, women carry honor. But culturally talking, and, uh, and cor correct me if I'm mistaken, in Punjabi culture, women is a more thing that women carry than the men. Yeah, there's a difference. There's a difference. Um, what do I say? Like, if you're not born into Indian culture, because mm. it's it's an Indian thing, mm. I want to say. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and it is about values and about honor. Um, and women are definitely silenced a lot more. That's something that I saw when I grew up with my mm. mom, with my aunts, mm. people around me. Um. And they're kept at the back. So, for example, mm. mealtime, if there's guests over, the women prepare the food for the men. Mm. Once the men are done eating and then the women will sit to eat. So they're mm. there to, like, wait on your beck and call and serve you. And there's, I mean, I've got mixed feelings about that in itself because it's nice to be able to serve. That's what Sikhi teaches us. That's what, you know, Lungar and Bhangat's about. But when it's done collectively, when there's a clear gender divide, that's what I have a problem with. Mm. Um, and when, um, I, when I was speaking with my friends in my younger years who are not from an Indian or a Punjabi background, they wouldn't understand um, how I'm treated at home and how things are different for me compared to my brothers that mm -hmm. they're allowed to go and play after school, but I can't. Mm -hmm. I'm a girl. I yeah. can't even have sleepovers at my friends' houses because I'm a girl. Mm. I can't go on school trips because I'm a girl, but my brothers can go. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah, there is definitely a clear cultural differences and Latin culture or at least Venezuelan culture is kind. They have similarities also. There is a lot of machismo, which is, I don't know how to translate that, but basically preference to the men than the girls in certain things. Machoism? Ma machismo. machismo. It sounds like machoism. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's the same thing. I don't know. But anyways, the point is that noticing that pattern, like, I could notice how we, women are not very much listened. Like when when they have something to say, it's like don't yeah. don't say it or don't do it or don't talk about that. And again, I'm raised in a culture, and my household personally is a feminist household because my mom is the head of the house, and I grew up just seeing strong women around me, and we are taught to just talk when things are not okay. But having more acquaintance and friends from Punjabi background, that's like a whole different story. You cannot say things, you cannot, something happened to you, you never say it. And um, uh, and it's not like I, I came here to impose and do things. I'm just saying mm -hmm. that, to say like, uh, why? And the concept of why, the why from them was like, because I will embarrass my family. Yeah, you'll bring shame to your family. Yeah. yeah right bring shame to family so core voices is that space where you can talk where you can say things when things are not okay when if you need help we give you help if um you know not not us giving you help but like directing you to where to go to get that help right. and a space for um so just to let it out because like you is for me and again this has a lot to do where i come from if something happened to me, my first reaction will be say it, scream it, you know, call somebody, talk with my parents. That mm -hmm. was like what I was I was trained for. At a young age, I was just expressing that mm -hmm. as a Punjabi woman, that's not something that I had access to. Nobody trained yeah. to be vocal. I was trained to to zip it and to mm -hmm. not say anything. Mm -hmm. Even if things were terrible, mm -hmm. to never let anybody else know. Mm -hmm. I think that Indians in general, they have mastered the mask, you know, mm. like put on the face and say everything's okay and we're good, right? Mm. That training begins from a young age. Mm. If things going on at home, you don't talk about it at school, you don't tell your friends, you don't tell mm. anybody, okay? Mm. Unless you want to lose your family, right? Those were things. Mm -mm -mm. So as a child, you don't want that to happen. So you're like, mm -mm -mm. Oh, I'm not going to say anything. And mm. That's the sort of training that I had received, and mm. you received something different. You would, can you tell us about that? Yeah. So, as I was mentioned before, the family I grew up is a family with very strong women, uh, because they had to, you know, overcome things in life, and I was passed on me. And one of those things is being very alert and very vocal when something is threatening yourself as like your body your mm -hmm. something is barely abusing or whatever we my mom taught us just talk say everything and um i remember the first time i was assaulted i was seven years old i was just like seven or eight and we were in um ice cream store eating ice cream with my family mom and my abuela abuela means grandma sorry my grandma and uh this man exposed himself to me a girl eating ice cream seven years old and yeah. i told 
yeah very 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 crazy and sorry i didn't i didn't trigger warning but yeah that that happened to me when i was very young and since my mom always talked to me about like you know this thing happened you have to tell right away you have to right away my reaction of course was mom this man is doing something weird and i'm telling you my mom lost it my mom just like wanted to kill that person right there call cops we call everything like people stand up you know in my country is kind of similar to punjabi in the sense that if something happened like everybody will be there and everybody will be like chasing the person or whatever but the point is that i had the courage or like training you can say or like mm. the thought of like mom this is happening right there in front of me this is happening right. and this is not the first time and only time i have been assaulted i have been assaulted later before in my life and the same my same reaction is the same just say the thing right away because this is the thing i was taught to do that i was it was okay it's a fine my family is not going to say anything bad to me or punish me if i say something bad happened to me or this person did this to me or whatever and i will be believed okay so that's important because yeah. there's a lot of victim blaming that goes on um yeah. especially in the punjabi culture that um maybe she was asking for it maybe she you know led him on or you know maybe it didn't really happen or he she wanted him and he rejected her and now she's just being bitter and there's a lot of that that always flips back but i think if you've already understood that whoever you're going to turn to will stand in your corner and support you mm. that will make you more likely to actually be vocal yeah. and speak about it but yeah. if you don't know that they're going to believe you Mm. and just in that doubt or that hesitation mm. of not being believed you'll probably never talk about it and yeah. that's what we need to change that's yeah. exactly what we need to be changing yeah, and, and yeah this and this is something very interesting you brought it up because this happened i i have seen it like in other uh, ethnicities cultures and what whatever that women are doubt if they tell things later and i think no I think when people doubt when a woman say I I was assaulted like a year ago, a few months ago, first thing they say why don't you tell it right away? Right. Why are you why is the proof of that now you're telling so late? Mhm. Mm and I think people don't understand how hard it is for somebody to tell this happened. Or or they don't understand like the training, cultural training of the mm -hmm. person and why did that person didn't say it was abuse or something happened to them at the moment mm -hmm. so that's exactly what i was going to say like in that moment there's a lot of cultural layers to peel back for for the punjabi woman or the sikh woman like all of that training of don't say anything don't bring shame you know remain perfect otherwise nobody's going to marry you and all of these things that we've been fed growing up they mm -hmm. play a role and they mm -hmm. because if they say um like there's a saying in punjabi that uh you don't want to have like a black mark next to your name mm. because that black marks there you'll never be able to remove it mm. i've never heard that being said to a boy to a man mm. i've heard it being said to women countless mm. times and i think it's it's really important for us to understand that when something like this happens you're dealing with the the shock 
and the trauma, mm. then you're dealing with this deep resentment against your culture because you want to say something. Nobody wants to keep mm. a secret mm. like this because mm. inside it just destroys you and it hurts mm. every single day. And we feel more and more isolated. But if we can undo some of that cultural, like the negative cultural training and, mm. you know, create spaces that you mm. had where we're training our young people, boys and girls, that if something happens, you go and you speak to somebody. And then it's our responsibility to make sure we do everything we can to support them and not to blame them. And exactly. exactly. some sort of a change. But yeah. I've a bit of a... Um, a personal question and you can choose not to answer it but um you've talked a little bit about abuse and um I don't want you to have to go into too much detail because this is not the space for that I don't want you to feel that you know forced to do that but is this something that you've experienced in Sikh or Punjabi circles as well okay um regarding abuse um I have like the specific word I'm abuse I've uh, never been abused but yeah. maybe feel like uncomfortable, kind of like a little bit attacked, a little bit like, oh, why are you doing that? I did have experience twice on that in surround, like in Punjabi surroundings, or I didn't say Punjabi, you don't know, like Sikh Punjabi surround, surroundings. Okay. I'm not making sense of myself. It, at, like uh, <laughs> environments. Environment, that's the word. I'm sorry. Okay. Think what happened when you're bilingual, you forget words. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that happens to me twice. Like in one occasion, there was a very old man who asked me inappropriate questions. And uh, I talked to my brother, my my spiritual brother, but like mm -hmm. my, he's, my, he's my brother. And I say, why is this person asking for my hand? He literally can be my grandpa. That's totally not appropriate. And um, and I remember talk to um, uh, kind of like the head of the place, and I told them like, you know, this happened to me. It's very uncomfortable, but nothing was done. And I found myself sometimes very not not being safe because I was in the same space as that man. So. And that meant, even though he was older than me, he was taller than me and stronger than me. So mm -hmm. being trained as I've been trained, I doubt anything, everybody. I don't, I don't know if, if you're old or young, I'm still feel, if I feel threatened, I feel threatened. Right. Right. And then the second occasion was um, in India, a person tried to touch me, uh, touch my breast. And uh, I talk immediately. As I say, I, I was first I was, yeah, I was in shock. I was just like, what's happening? Like, I don't understand how that's happening in this environment. It was in the bar side. And um, what, what did you say? That I, was, was in, I was in the bar side when the second assault you, happened. You were in and the, as in, in Amritsar at the Golden as Temple. As in Amritsar, as in, in the Golden Temple, yes. And okay. if, if any of you don't know, like in the bar side is the most important place for Sikhs, you can say. And yep. uh, it's very visited, like for many people, not only Sikhs, like there is like a lot of people that go there because uh, the Barzahib is open to everybody, right? And it's very crowded. Mm -hmm. So they do have a lot of vigilance there. They do have cameras everywhere, guards everywhere. But I guess things happen too. So 
I was in the bar waiting for my husband to come back and uh, somebody tried to touch my breast. I, again, I'm trained to defend myself. I'm trained to be alert. Um, so I just like try to like avoid the contact and I am just in kind of shock. Like I, it's Darbar Sahib, how this can happen in Darbar Sahib. Wow. That was my thought, like why somebody will do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I, of course, this is not a generalization or whatsoever. Like most of the people who go to Darbar Sahib go to Darbar Sahib to pray. And that was, that's the case for everybody, but sometimes some people don't. And immediately when my, once my husband came, I told him right there what happened. And he went and caught the guy and we took him to security and he was punished. Did you say he cut the guy? Yeah, my husband went and caught the guy. Caught him or cut him? Because I heard cut. No, not cut, like cut, like the agarrar, you know, like. Okay, okay. Him. caught him, okay, okay. Yeah, so... Um, <gasps> So uh, he took him and asked me, was this the person who did this to you? Mm -hmm. And I said, yes, he tried to touch me and he did like here. Mm -hmm. um, and he said, okay, fine. And then he called one of the guards. They took him to the security room that has like uh, millions of cameras. And in the camera show what he did and he got punished. So yes, this can happen. This can happen in any environment. Mm -hmm. And I know people don't like to talk that this can happen in Gurdwara, but it does. It can happen. It can happen in a Gurdwara. It can happen in a masjid. It can happen in a church. It can happen everywhere. Absolutely. So, so um, the whole point of this is that in two different occasions, I talked talk about it. In one occasion, nothing was done. And in another occasion, something was done. So as a community, we need to be, we need to be, we need to listen when things happen. We mm -hmm. need to act. Right. And, um, and I, after, after these things happen, like after, after we open the space for core voices, I have women that have come to me or have expressed even in their own social media or in their own um, uh, platforms that, something similar had happened or this had happened to them, this and that. And because of, again, cultural pressure, social pressure, or even people not doing anything, they don't say anything. So well, I can say to you that I'm so yeah. proud of you for actually doing that. Um, I, you know, if you were Punjabi, maybe you wouldn't have done that, but mm -hmm. you did the right thing. That was exactly what you should have done is, you know, yeah. pull the person out and you had somebody there to support you to yeah. make that happen. And I'm glad yeah. that the institution supported it as well. Mm -hmm. um, that's really good to know. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, there are still, you know, a lot of those spaces where we don't do anything about it. Right? Yeah. And I, and I think it needs to be talked more about. It needs to be a conversation. It needs to be an action. There, there must be something to regulate who are taking those spaces and spa places of power and like who are these people and what are they doing like because i'm sorry because um from from what i see or from what i have heard from other women and also men there are men who has been like 
it's not a, that doesn't happen. It happened to men and boys too. Yeah. And yeah. The, the thing is that there is no consequences. So if there is no consequences, how can you avoid this to keep happening? Right. That's it's very and, true. And and one of one of the things that Guru teaches us is to speak when there is injustice, is to act when something wrong is not something wrong is happening. I remember this Saki of this woman. I sorry, I'm remember the exact names, but the Saki goes that um, that a woman was being assaulted, and this core came and chopped the hands of the guy. Like I'm not saying we need to chop hands right now. Like we're in another time. I mean, if it's necessary, why not? But um, <laughs> there, is, there is another. There is there is choices now. Like you can report, you can talk to somebody, you can call police or whatever. But right. the point is that. This core didn't stay on the side and doing nothing. She went full off, took her equipment off, and defend the sister from that abuser. Why we cannot do the same right now? Not exactly the same with the weapon, but like why we cannot keep each other like safe. Mm. If you see something, if you see that this person, X person, is doing that to Y person, go and report them. The thing is, though, like, I, I, I am totally with you with everything oh. that you're saying, right? Um, but I think, like, there's there's two parallels here. And there's some of the comments that I was just looking at that, you know, we shouldn't have a distinction between Sikh and Punjabi, but there's a massive difference. It's like saying Chinese, they're not the same thing. Um, and I, I mean, I'm born into a Punjabi family. Um, my family, you know, values Sikhi. Would I say I'm born into a Sikh family just because my family is Punjabi? No, I wouldn't. Because mm. not all of my family are practicing Amritari Sikh. And I think that if we as a community are not making these right distinctions, this is where we're going to have a lot of these really difficult overlaps. Um, and I think that Punjabi culture is beautiful and it should it be celebrated, right? I actually live with a Punjabi family because I married a Punjabi Sikh. So I've learned so many things. Like, nothing, not, yeah, of course, we're not talking that this culture is bad or good. Like, there are good things in Venezuelan culture, there are horrible things in Venezuelan culture. Right. But yeah, like, I think Sikhi is, is that choice that we make because giving your head is not something that someone can sign you off for on your behalf. That has to be your own choice. It has to be your own commitment. Otherwise, you'll never really commit to that relationship, right? So Sikhi is that personal development that we want to make a relationship with Guru, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a path of consciousness which requires a different process. So, yes, there's a lot of people who may not appreciate us, well, me saying this right now, that simply wearing a kara and putting Kaur or Singh with your name doesn't make you a Sikh. Mm. You're not adopting the practices. I'm not saying you have to take Amrita and wear the star and turban and wear Bana all the time. The values of Sikhi are important. You can't have your cake and eat it. You can't want to wear a Kara, but then, you know, smoke or drink or, you know, go out and gamble or do dishonest things, right? Or have extramarital affairs. It's not okay to do that. There's a huge contradiction. And mm. I think we have to stand now in a space of clarity and, you know, call it out. 
So what's wrong is wrong and what's right is right. And the path of Ziki being consciousness, you've talked about modesty and what your, your turban means to you and how it's more than just a piece of fabric that you wrap on your head. It's, it's got totally. value, it's got purpose, it's got connection behind it, right? It has but a responsibility behind it. It's got responsibility behind you, it. You, yeah, you feel that or not, it just it does, it does. Right, but I think that if we continue to say that being Punjabi and being Sikh are the same thing, we're going to continue on this culture of confusion and mm. not be able to actually address the things like the elephant yeah. in the room, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sikhi preaches about equality. Mm. Right? We've talked about a few things which mm. address inequality, right? So as a global community, we need to think about what are we going to do about that? How does that conversation mm. evolve? And how yeah. do we get to a place of actually building equality where women are seen with the same dignity and respect as men and given voices yeah. in the same way too? Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. um, and in situations like this, where there is assault, where there is abuse, to not blame the woman. And that has happened far too many times that I'm aware of. I know, I think every single woman that I know in my life has a story of some sort of assault or abuse. Mm -hmm. And that should send shivers down your spine. Like for yeah. everybody who's yeah. out there, it's not okay. And I guarantee you, every single woman that you know will also have a similar experience, right? Where they're going to be silenced because mm. there's not enough support. And mm. this is the moment of change. This is the yeah. space that we now say, hey, yeah. we're going to talk about this together. We're going to yeah. open a space and we're going to try to build each other up and create the infrastructure that we would have wanted to have. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really honoured to be a part of Core Voices with yeah. you, Janan, because I, I know there's like so many things that we've talked about and, yeah. oh, we need to we need to have this conversation in a public space. Yeah. There's a lot of value behind it as well. Yeah. But this is, this is like a great first step for us to be yeah. able to talk about these things. And yeah. it's not just women. So I'm not restricting this, that I want women to come forward because you rightfully mentioned that abuse mm -hmm. is something that has happened across both genders. Yeah. And there have been, I'm not blaming Gurdwari, but mm. there have been countless cases that I am aware of where mm. families have come forward to the committees, mm. but nothing's ever been done. Mm. The perpetrators are actually protected by the institution. Mm. And that's mm. problem. Because if our space to develop for Sikhi isn't safe, mm. then where do, we where do we feed our spiritual hunger where do we go to to make that connection with Guru when that space is no longer safe, right? Yeah, yeah. So and that was my little rant. I needed to to get that. Yeah, no, of course. And I, I, I see that as you as you mentioned nowadays, because we are more disseminated in the world. Even though you, any person can have a this background or that background culture, we're still living in societies that are mixed. Like meaning, we're living in. Um, Societies that have, for example, I live in Canada, like I literally have access to any ethnicity and, you know, culture or whatever. Um, the spaces have been opening, like right. the spaces of, of, of sharing things have been opening by other, for example, I know other institutions of uh, course and <laughs> other institutions like Sikh, Sikh Family Center that help right. people 
uh, in situations of danger and stuff like that. And they do workshops, they do, um, you know, they talk to people about it. They go to Gurdwara and talk about it. In the UK, there is a huge movement about teaching the girls how to protect themselves, how to not fall from this or that person trying to snatch them or whatever. So I feel this is happening. This is happening not only with us opening this space, but it has been happening in other communities at the same time or even before us. And I think it's time. And it's time also because we as Sikh are becoming also a multicultural community. There are yeah. so many converted Sikhs at that now, like around the world, who come from different paths. You can say yoga paths or uh, they come because of themselves or whatever. But we're getting more mixed. Like if you, when I was in Miami, I could see my Gurdwara Sikhs, like, yeah, mostly Punjabi, but like from other places too. Like I saw an Asian person and then I have seen uh, Latin, other Latin Sikhs like me. Um, so, Many things doesn't make sense to us because it's not doesn't have to do with Sikh, it has to do with culture. Right. And, and we must and we must like understand that Sikhi is being uh, disseminated everywhere. And this hush hush culture does not belong to Sikhi. Literally the first thing mm -hmm. Guru say is just talk when you see something wrong. Absolutely. And why that that's why you have Kirpan on you. Kirpan is meant to be your reminder of you are a servant of society, you're a servant of, you need to make sure everybody is okay. Mm -hmm. It's just not a piece of metal you're carrying around. It has a meaning. Um, yeah, and I am, I am actually really, really happy that we have at least put that little grain in the whole pile of, uh, of things that we're doing to make our community better. Because mm -hmm. at the end of what we want, we want everybody to feel welcome and nice and safe and you know practice whatever we were given to practice so Absolutely. and um i i'm just like taking in everything that you were saying and i i agree with you that it's it's important to to bring it all together and this is why we created core voices and yeah. not it is written core voices but it's the core voice like the voice inside of you that has been silenced or, you know, has been vulnerable, has been afraid, whatever it is that's causing you to not speak, um, check out corevoices.org. And if it's something that you want to support, you know, please join forces with us and help us to uplift each other so that we can yeah. break this culture of shame and silence and actually start to have healthy conversations mm. and through problems like we should be doing, right? Um, and absolutely, Guchan, and we're, we're a warrior race. It's not that we're made to be timid and shy and blend in with the crowd. The reason we have our sarup is to stand out from the crowd. So I think remembering what the bana means and those values of Guru Gobind Singh that are embedded in, a, in all of our hearts, right? Whether you're practicing or non-practicing, whether you're Punjabi or Sikh, those values are inside in your heart and you know them, you feel them, right? And that's what you need to reach into to remember mm. that you're worth it, you deserve this, and mm. you're not alone. And this is a space where we can tell you you're not alone. And mm. we appreciate SickNet supporting us to give us a voice so we can reach to you and say, here, let's talk together. Let's reach out and uplift each other, right? There's a few of the comments that rolled in about how um, men need to support the uplifting of women. Totally. You know, 
there needs to be that support. And I want to like piggyback a question off that to you, Gurchan. And and this is something that I have experience with, but I want to ask you first before I share some of my little tales. And it can be comical, it can be whatever you want it to be. But um, how have you dealt with, um, I'm sure you get this. I'm going to say this because I know this. um, But how have you dealt with the men that slide into your DMs in social media? That's a funny one. Um, So I first need to say that I love my husband because he is like the most supportive person ever. And (laughs) he's a person who listens a lot. And he actually gives me so much uh, vision of things, like how to deal with things, right? So uh, when I was engaged with him, um, I still had people sliding on my DM and I would be like, and there was, they will write me in Punjabi, so I have no idea what even they're saying. I don't know. So I will just like forward this to him, like, what is these people saying? And then um, he will just like comically, he wouldn't like get upset or anything. I was just like expressing like, this is happening. And this is like, why does this like, they don't see I have like, I'm engaged. Like they like, they won't respect that. It's okay. Like just ignore them or whatever. So that, that's my first to go. Like, I don't give them my energy because they do not deserve it, pretty much. If you come with right intentions and ask me questions about, like, things or, like, you just want to friendly talk, that's right. okay. That's but fine. I, I talk. A lot of callers out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Harassed in yeah, their yeah, definitely. social media. Like, this, yeah, they're yeah. wearing yeah. and they're beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have to deal with a lot of... Um, abusive yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's appropriate it's, yeah yeah they will come and say to you like oh you look so pretty and this and that and like i want to marry you that's like the first one i got ever and i have this and i have that and that i think that's nice i have other sisters who have shown me their dms and they're really violent and really like just no um my way to go is I do not give my energy. I do not correspond nothing. I don't say anything. I just like block, ignore. I don't care. If okay. the person is really disrespectful, I will answer. And I say like, you're literally like, what are you doing with your life? Like you call okay. yourself a thing or you are basically harassing me through the DMs. It's not okay. It's not okay. I will just say this and bye. And I wouldn't even let them answer or tell me anything. And if it's really, really bad, and that's because I have a husband. I was just like, look, talk to that person. I don't want to deal with this. Just scare him. I don't know. Talk to him in Punjabi. You know your thing. Right. Yeah, that's that's, that's what I do. You're lucky I to have a Punjabi husband who can step in and like deal with the problem for yeah. you. But- you can call a brother. I don't know. But you can also, yeah, totally. You can do it by yourself. You, I, I, uh, the, the most discussion I have with somebody is just telling them, like, what are they doing wrong? Why this is not okay? And not engaging anymore and block the person. For right. no, like, under no reason, you should not hide yourself. I, I disagree with this. Many, some people have said, like, oh, but well, your account is public. That's why you have your account public. But why am I going to hide myself? I'm not the one doing wrong. I am right. not the one harassing people. So I'm not going to hide myself. So right. it depends on like um, how you want to react with things or what you want to do with things. My way to go is like if it's nothing very crazy, I just ignore. If it's too crazy, I say, look, this is grown, don't do this, this and that. And if it's extremely crazy, like uh, 
picture of <laughs> you guys know because that happened um i will be like you know what this is like way beyond my under like no i'm yeah. not going to this okay. And so, this is bad. This is really bad. This is like a, really like a, it's, it's like a, it's like a pandemic, but in our DMs. Yeah. So, so basically what you've just described for me is not different to what you experienced as a seven-year-old in an ice cream store, right? Mm. Where without your permission, somebody is um, exposing themselves, basically. Exposing themselves or making you feel mm -hmm. uncomfortable. For me, they're not different. And the reason that I, I, I brought this in is because we all need to see this differently. We can't say that it's it's all fun and giggles when somebody's just making inappropriate comments to you in your DMs, in your direct messages on social media. That's what DMs means. Um, but it's um, that's okay because it's harmless. It's behind a screen, right? Okay. Um, but it's, it's not okay in person, right? Mm -hmm. You can't have a double standard. Either they're both okay or they're both not okay. Okay? Right. Let's have a straight right. line. Okay? So for me, in my book, they're both not okay. Not okay. Um, I experience this a lot. I know a lot of Sikh Punjabi women who wear turbans and who do not wear turbans, who get harassed endlessly. And there's one particular type of people that are doing the harassment. And unfortunately to say, they are Punjabi men. Well, I, I have got everything. I have got it like from <laughs> Punjab, <laughs> from Maharashtra, from... <laughs> I'm actually, I'm, I'm kind of pleased to know that it comes from yeah. the spectrum. But for me personally, mm. the people who slide into my DMs, who are throwing marriage proposals, who are making inappropriate comments, who are sending me pictures I haven't asked them for, they are all Punjabi. And that for me is really 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 disappointing mm -mm. we can't sit here and say oh let's jump together and buddy up and let's fix this problem inside the institutions and we can bring equality and we can talk out about abuse when the men that are doing it are the same men essentially and i'm not saying every single man is the same i'm absolutely not saying that we're not um, generalizing here we're just talking about our experience absolutely yes. thank you but what mm. i'm going to say is that we cannot possibly say re-educate the girls, train them to be warriors from the moment that they're born, and then if something happens, they must have been asking for it, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Re-educate your boys. Yep. Re-educate and yeah. teach them the values of how to look after their women, how to respect them and treat them like queens from a young age. Because if that, those are the values and that's what we're taught, then mm -hmm. they be none of this abuse happening on social yeah. media or in person totally totally a uh, part of like fixing this problem is educating both sides i comment i commend you the other day that i saw this video from um a training course who was being done in one of the countries in africa I, if i don't rem make mistake it was somalia or a country in Africa. Sorry about my bad memory, but the video was teaching um, how it was training actively the girls how to say no, how to uh, defend themselves uh, by martial arts and defense and techniques and stuff, and educating them on like their rights and like the rights of their bodies. Mm -hmm. And in the other room, it was the boys. 
the boys mm-hmm. were also educated on like like women's right and like the rights on their own bodies too, like how to approach a woman and this and that talking about boundaries and about everything mm-hmm. so in the video I, I i wish i can share the video with you guys but i don't remember in the video said that at the beginning of the class 70 percent or 80 percent of the boys thought that it was okay to touch a girl if she was wearing a miniskirt what? by the end of the course that percentage dropped to five only five percent of the boys thought it was okay to touch mm-hmm. a girl because she was wearing a skirt. So wow. the key was, yeah, of course, we must train our women, we must train our girls. But also we need to educate the guys. And as one of the comments says, yeah, we, we can do everything ourselves. But if there are not men supporting the cause, or if there are not men being trained or that are maybe educated, we're still doing something like fighting, you know, like it's yeah. not together. And um and I don't know. I don't know when in in history this was lost, but like as far as I know, everybody was trained with the same principles. It, it was. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think the evolution, economical migration, all of those things have you know brought us to where we are. But it's 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 you know we, we have to address what the issue is, and the issue is that they're the same thing. There was very recently. Um, I can't remember the name of this beautiful young girl, Punjabi girl. Um, who's in Australia, who shared a feed about um, this private WhatsApp group or a chat group amongst boys, like locker room talk almost, um, where they're sharing private conversations um, from girls that they're talking to um, and photos as well. So these were images that were sent privately to one individual who then shared it amongst their little locker room chat. Mm -hmm. And um, they they thought this was funny and they're talking about raping and they're talking about lots of things which they shouldn't have been talking about. When this got exposed, the the questions that came back and the sort of comments that people were making is that, well, come on, it's harmless conversation. It's not like they went out and actually did anything. It's not it's, like they raped anybody, right? Yeah, it's like what one of Penn was of Benji's was saying in the comments, it's just normalized. Why are we normalizing violence? Even saying things is saying and doing. There is just this much. Absolutely. The thing that is horrifying is that we don't see it to be harmful. We're saying it's okay because it's just in words. But then when it happens and it becomes an action, then we're all surprised that, oh my God, how could this have happened? Or is she telling the truth? Did it really happen? Was it really like that? Right. I think that until we're actually making those changes in how we see it and saying that it's not okay to have those conversations. Right. I'm not in any sort of a group that talks derogatory about any gender. And I would not be because like that's not a normal thing to do. (laughs) Somebody exactly. Right. Like that stuff's not normal and it's not okay. So if we say that it's okay on public platforms, we endorse these people and say, go out there and do this, right? We won't be surprised when it happens because it's harmless, mm-hmm. right? Until it happens to somebody that you know, somebody that you love and that you care about, yep. then it becomes an issue. And yep. I think that like one of those fundamental ground like rules for us is that 
we are all the same, we are one. And until we actually start to see everybody as one in that ikonkar, we're not going to change this. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that step is what's missing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. And uh, I just switched our roles. It's like I'm answering the questions. <laughs> it's like, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah. I'm so, new questions. It's, no, it's no, it's totally fine because it's something. This is a conversation or a Q and A, mm -hmm. uh -huh. and uh, and uh, I wanted to to mention about that that and I'm going by and tying all this to Siki, Guru, Guru has tell us so many times that we live in Kali Yug or in an era of craziness, basically like madness. And Guruji has given us tools to navigate to this Kaljuk. I'm aware that the problem of abuse and all this normalization of abuse in women and kids and all this is a result of this era, basically. Like if you want to talk more spiritually talking, it's like, it's madness at this time, basically. Guru has teaching has been teaching us how to literally just not involve, be strong and defend people who are being like that. And there is tons of Saki that talk about that. When the Mughals uh, took all the women from this little town and then the Sikhs went and take them back and, and take them back to their families, for example. Were the Sikhs doing nothing? No, they were fighting back that system because they were, were, they were being sold, human trafficking, sexual mm -hmm. trafficking, etc. So tying, again, these things to Sikhi, the world is really messed up. We know that. There is a whole industry, as one of Benji is saying here, it was a whole industry of porn and stuff that normalized things that we should not be normalized. Mm -hmm. It's very innocent of, of the thing. We're going to change all that. Really rarely is going to happen, but, but we can help. We can do something about it. We can help the people who come and say something or they're looking for refugee and take them and, you know, help mm -hmm. them out. Right. So, so totally like if we can do our best to educate our own community, to go back to that time where, mm -hmm. Where an army went and saved women who were taken to be sold, and they didn't even touch any hair of those women. Where mm -hmm. did that go? And I, this, this mm -hmm. was our guru's teaching. Mm -hmm. These were our teachings that he gave. He, they gave to us. So, totally, like I think we need to go back to understand and educate and train both genders, every yeah. and that. Mm -hmm. on how to move forward from that because yep. that's basically like a whole Maya Kali Yuk situation that is taking us away from our real goal, which is we're here to we're here to connect with Guruji. That's 100%. it. Like the rest is just like distraction yeah. and craziness. Mm -hmm. And um that's that's the difficult thing is like how do you like how do you navigate through both worlds how do you stay grateful and in grace as well when there's so much turmoil and so much ugliness around us right and the things that we're talking about are not pretty things right they're difficult and they're real and they're they're ugly right 
So um, I, I don't think that it's the responsibility of the institution, right? I don't hold Gurdwari accountable. I don't hold the Khalsa Panth accountable. I hold us as individuals accountable. That if this is something that moves you, if this is something that you disagree with, then you have to follow that feeling and put it into an action. Be pro proactive about it. Sorry, I was going to say, <laughs> don't procreate from this. Um, be, be proactive about this and go out there and make action. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I've got the giggles. <laughs> it's okay. Well, yeah, this is, this is totally like, um, there are so many issues around the world. There are so many issues within the pant. There right. are so many issues internally with ourselves. So we must pick our battles, take our energy and directly into whatever we believe in needs work and do it. There are people there out there who their entire life are feeding the homeless. Yeah. There are people there which their entire life is taking care of all the group of Gurujis that are around, I don't know, UK, restoring them and doing that. There are some people there just taking care of education, educating our youth. Right. And there are people there taking care of families, taking care, taking care of people who have suffered from abuse. Mm -hmm. We are so many and there are so many things we can help just do pick whatever you want Absolutely. and start doing it. And yeah, and go for it. And but I think the most important thing is like to remember that if we're in this path and we're this path together, ultimately like the main battle or the main help is within us and mm -hmm. how to make ourselves stronger in order to help everybody else. And I think Guruji teaches this so much. He, they, sorry, they tell us that, um, that, being in Chardikala, it's not just be like fakely happy, it's like be strong, be there, be present so you can serve, serve mm -hmm. yourself and serve others. So I think that's, that's the bottom line of that Absolutely. conversation. And like, way to wrap it up, but it all yeah. comes to that. But <clears throat> as you mentioned, there is there is a lot of Maya for us to deal with, right? Mm. That, um, you know, in our families or around us, other, all sorts of distractions that can happen at any point of our life. They don't just come at one point. So we can't just say when boys go through puberty, then after that they reemerge as these little monsters and then they go out there and do these bad things. I think it's a balance of everything. And um, if we feel responsible for the people around us, will take an initiative to provide the right type of support, especially emotional support, yeah. um, and be there to guide and mentor stronger young people, right? There's still a whole batch of adults that have these defective emotional processes that need to be fixed as well. And mm. tying it all back in with what you started with, um, mm. the technology that the gurus gave in Gurbani, and why rag is there. So there's mm -hmm. 60 rags, six zero rags in the Guru Granth Sahib. 60 different moods that as humans we all experience and there's a whole array of them. So when you're looking into your life and you're thinking about the experiences that you've been through, the good, bad, the ugly and the confusing ones as well, to transform that 
into something that becomes spiritual and a lesson that helps you to elevate in your spiritual mm. development. Mm. When you hold that emotion in your heart and you read or you sing or listen to a Shabbat sung in a rag that mirrors that emotion, you're able to release it in a safe, protective way. Mm. That was that was basically very, in a, in a simple way, why the gurus put Bani into rag and how we were supposed to use it. Mm. So there's like, I think on, on Wikipedia, there's a page about the rags, which has the meaning of each of the different rags that you can, you know, connect with the Shabbat and mm. understand what the rag means and yeah. go through it. So that there's there's some sort of comfort to yourself where you're not mm. feeling pressurized mm. and in, through all of it. Learning is key. At the end of the day, and I, this is why I'm so grateful to you, like, Basis of Siki, again, like, their, their motto is arm yourself with knowledge. Knowledge is what will take you yeah. beyond. Mm -hmm. And um, learning more about your guru, learning more about how things were done, learn mm -hmm. the language. Learn the, the history. History is so important. Learn how to um, uh, be grateful for the struggle of people before you. Mm -hmm. You know, like we, uh, and I, I'm saying this going back to my, the first part of this conversation, being converted means that, yeah, we learn about the religion and we learn about the faith, but we also need to learn like what happened why we are here nowadays practicing it's because of the sacrifices and and struggle of the people behind us mm -hmm. and the people who came from another country than us right. we cannot take things and pretend not to avoid or not listening to whatever the struggle was and i learned this because i also married to a punjabi family and i have asking a lot of questions about what happened like for example learning about the struggles or of uh, 47 or 84 like these are things that I I never listened before until I met them until I start reading and um, right but yeah, you, le learning learning also the this is just as a context of history so for us mm -hmm. to understand why these things are teached this way for example if we don't know about caste system or if we don't understand what was the deal with the people being separated? We cannot understand the concept of langar, for mm -hmm. example. We cannot understand Midi Piri if we don't understand the invasion of the Mughals in India or in Punjab. Mm -hmm. So these sort of things. And within that, there is also the spiritual understanding of things like the language, Gurmukhi. We should be able to read and understand Gurmukhi. Understanding of rag, why rag was there and why do we need to actually practice on that and mm -hmm. explore that and learning of uh, Shaster Vidya or Gatka, it was there for some reason and it was a command to us to do it, to learn, are we trying to do this in our daily life, you know? And uh, yeah, so learning, learning is what makes you there, you know? Um, I want to mention that uh, regarding the language, I didn't find any source in Spanish to learn Gurmukhi. And I struggled so much because all the books I have were in English. And mm -hmm. although I understand English, I, it was like hard to find somebody to explain to me. I went to the Gurmukhi classes in Gurdwara. I was with six years, seven years old learning, and I'm me. 
So it was really hilarious to see. But um, uh, my husband and I, one day I was telling him, like, you know what, like, there is literally nobody teaching Spanish people how to speak Kurmuki, like in, in a very pure way, like mm -hmm. just talking about Guruji and Gurmuki. There is like mixed here and there, but like nobody actually just teaching you like, hey, this is the Ura Era and this is what we learn and this is how you read. So right. we started a project with just 10 people online saying like, you know what, let's gonna call it Gurmuki International. And like everybody who speaks Spanish from anywhere in the world can come and learn at least the basics of how to read. That is awesome. So yes. you did exactly what we were just talking about. Like you yes. identified something that needed yes. to be done and yes. instead of expecting someone else to do it, yes. you did it. So what's it called, Gurmuki? Oh, it's called Gurmuki International and mm -hmm. it's basically a school where we are trying to teach people who speak Spanish mm -hmm. Gurmuki. And uh, I, again, I'm lucky that Inderjot has studies from Texal, so he's kind of allowed to teach like the basics, how to read and how to pronounce properly, um, how to, um, we have also like uh, gurmat classes like where we actually, well, he, I, I'm just a translator <laughs> because I'm actually <laughs> learning too, uh, where he teaches about story, history and Saki. So it's a space of like in Spanish, which we don't have, for people to come and learn and mm -hmm. breaking the barrier of having a middle person to tell us anything, like just learn this and you will, will go and have the access, all the knowledge like right there for you. So awesome. the same is, it's kind of like how you created like Prium Professor and like every, the team of Raj Academy creating a system or a, a, a platform for people to actually go and learn such and learn drag and learn like the original uh, original uh, way of making kirtan because that's what was calling you and professor that was all of uh yogiji professor surinder singh ji's yeah. work I well, like, it's a team <laughs> yeah it mostly is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the point is that it's knowledge he's sharing knowledge um, we are trying our you know this is a very small project for like i just saw the need to share more information in Spanish because there are many people from South America, Spain, and other countries interested in learning more about Siki, but they don't speak English and there is no Spanish content. So we were That's awesome that you guys did that. Thank yeah. you for creating that space. Knowledge is key, guys. Knowledge I, is key. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so that's from Basics of Siki is what arm yourself with knowledge. I yeah. like that very much. Yeah. I think that's absolutely the essence of what Siki is. And yeah. you have to go out there and ask questions and look. And as they say, seek and you shall find. So if you're looking for something, you're going to find it. If you've got a question, then there's an answer out there as well to meet yep. your question. Yep. But if yep. you don't have a question, then there's no starting point, right? Yep. So yep. Um, something that you and me talked about, and again, I'm going to wrap it up. I said this like an hour ago, but here we are. So we are going to go through. This is good. <laughs> Thank you for talking to you with us. <laughs> I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as we are. Um, we talked the other day um, about quarantine, right? And how people across the world are like bulk buying and, you know, standing in lines to go into supermarkets. And you made a comment to me that this isn't so bad. Like this was normal for me back in Venezuela. Like, 
how are you seeing that and what did that mean to you? Um, I, it's funny, it's a funny question. It's um, a question that has to do with experiences in dif- like in different levels and how like the behavior of human is like basically complaining about anything but not realizing like there are war situations and you kind of like, it's better if we learn to be more grateful than complaining. Mm. So when I was in the line of Costco, people were complaining because they need to make line for 18 minutes. And I'm like, okay, so it's okay. It's valid. You can complain, but it's not that bad. You still can, you still can go and buy food. <laughs> like, in mm-hmm. Venezuela, it's so hard. You have to make line for eight hours or seven hours or like even like more to get one bag of flour. And that's it. That's all you got for a week. And good luck if you have a family of seven or five. So um, I was just thinking how uh, we as humans and we have, as persons, we must count our blessings, be grateful because it's, because probably there's a lot of struggle out there that we don't even realize or we don't know. So, so yeah, uh, that, that was very interesting observation I had here. Yeah. Thank you. I'm living in, in, uh, in America and here compare when I was living in India and Venezuela, like I noticed sometimes, I don't know. It's just funny that how I see people complain about things that are just like, nothing (laughs) right but it's important to know that you know um we are all in a space of privilege and Mm. we don't see it yeah yeah to stay grateful is so important to know that we have food we have you know clothing we have shelter we have family and that those are actually the necessities and we do we offer gratitude for them every single day do we appreciate the people around us who support us, who lift us up, who love us and care for us? Do yeah. we appreciate them every single day? Are we grateful for everything that we consume, knowing that there are a lot of places in the world that have not even a, a fraction of what each of us are wasting in our households every single yeah. day? So, yeah. you know, Staying grateful is really important. Um, I've got three, this is going to be like my little rapid fire, okay? So like three really quick questions and I just want you to answer them as quick as you can, okay? Okay. okay. Um, What is your, or who is your biggest inspiration? My biggest inspiration beside my gurus are the women in the pant. Like we have queens in our pant that literally lift my face when I read about them. Okay, give me one name. Mata Gujriji. Okay. She was absolutely amazing. She's a don. I agree with you. Yes. Okay. Next question. What gives you joy? Music. Worshiping what? through music is my biggest joy. Okay. Which is your favorite instrument, flute or dilruba? Both. I cannot say. No, that. you have to pick one. Sorry. Like, dilruba is the connection, the connection with Guru, but my, my breathing, literally my Dilruba. <laughs> So I totally like this is really funny because music that I have been learned with flute is totally different than music that I have learned with a dear luba. So for me they're yin and yang. They I cannot live with one or the other. Okay. Like, they go together. If you could change one thing in the world, what would it be? 
anything. Oh, but there's so many things I would like What's to change. <laughs> um, I would like to change. Uh, okay, wait. This is a hard question. Come on, um, come on, quickly, quickly. The clock is ticking. I will. I would like to change our our sense of ego and believing one is better than the other. I think that's the root of all the problems in the world, ultimately. Like where things started go wrong is when we start thinking, oh, because I am from this place or because I have this skin color or because I have this education, I'm better than this or that person and I have the right to take them or whatever. Oh, so, would you think that judgment? It, I don't know if it's judgment or if it's entitlement or like this thing that we don't believe we are the same. This is what I would like to change. The inequality. Yeah. Okay, so you'd want to change the inequality in the world. That's awesome. And what is one piece of advice or a tip or something that you want to say to all the viewers who are all staying at home safely in quarantine? Yes. Okay. So first of all, please forgive me if I say something bad or if I made a mistake. Second is my biggest advice is investigate, learn, be curious, go there and find answers when you have questions, when something doesn't ring bells to you, when something doesn't make sense, go and dig further why. That, that will be my biggest advice. Okay. That's, thank you. That's awesome. Grishan and Gaur, I want to thank you so much for being on Core Voices today and helping us to open this space. We've had some wonderful conversation. I appreciate you. I thank you for the work that you're doing. And, you know, please keep inspiring us the same way. And thank you, everybody who joined us, who's watching, who's listening. Please keep supporting us. We're going to be here again every week. Don't forget to send us your questions to callvoices at gmail.com. You can check out the website, callvoices.org, and let us know what questions you have for next week. Thank you so much. You've Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank see you, you. Jasmine. <laughs> well, I'll see you next week. Why did you Why did you